0: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris. And surprise, we're back with our guest today, the incredible Brooks of the band Surprises.
1: Yeah, this guy has got to be the personification of the term Southern Hospitality, because this guy, I don't know if I've ever talked to someone where visually I figured that he was smiling the entire time he was talking. This is like the nicest guy I've ever talked to.
0: Yeah, I I don't care who you are. If you don't see the genuine, uh, raw passion that this man has for his music and just everyone he seems to interact with, then, then I think you need to open your eyes up a bit.
1: Yeah, and something that we're passionate about is our band, The Stash. We actually just recently released a new song called Thunder on all major DSPs. That's digital streaming platforms. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. So definitely go check that out and uh, follow us and save the song and all that. And we also have social medias for that same band at the stash ny instagram twitter facebook all that stuff please go check it out yeah and ny stands for new york
0: represent anyways we also have social media pages for the podcast that's at talking pod no g T-A-L-K-I-N. Please follow us, leave a review, like, share, however you interact on, on your preferred social media platform, you know, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, it doesn't matter. So just just please follow us there and, you know, just just stick along for the ride because we really
1: appreciate all the support so far. And here is Tell the World by Surprises.
2: I don't care if you tell the whole world I'm a beast, a thug, a fucking liar. Because I don't speak to a congregation that submits to ghosts that will conspire. Maybe if my conscience breaks.
0: Hey guys, and we're back with Brooks from Surprises. Brooks, what's going on, man?
3: Hey, how you doing?
0: Doing well, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for being a part of this thing.
1: We appreciate it.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. It's a, uh, a good way to spend some uh, spend my morning with uh, a little coffee and Chris and Andrew.
1: Yeah, man. Definitely. Uh, what's been going on, man? What's new with you? Well,
3: um, obviously, a record came out. I guess what, not this past Friday, but the Friday before. I think I've just been, muscle memory, just been saying last Friday. Uh, record just came out, which is really cool. Um, And so we're just working really hard right now. Still, you know, it's like these this first month, especially, it's really like the first month leading in and the month afterwards. They're very similar in the sense that you're just blasting as many, as many different people as you possibly can, trying to create as much content. You know, for us, we were lucky. We did a, a long lead in, so it's actually, we've, we've sort of had this overflow of content. And so we've just sort of been like, okay, you know, when do we, we release this video? When do we release this, you know, alternate version of the song? And so for us, it's been a lot of just, you know, the, like I said, the the month leading up and now that we're in this first month of it being out, it's been just a lot of, um, a lot of the same, you know, just uh, of trying to, you know, keep this constant flow of stuff coming out and pointing everyone to the same direction, you know? And it's been amazing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, two years ago, I think when I talked to John about this for the first time, I was kind of like, you know what, man? I, got, I think I want to put out an album. You're my buddy. You know, if you want to do this, that'd be cool. If you don't, that's fine too. But, you know, I got this idea. And he's like, yeah, let's just put out this album. And it was, it was just sort of a, a small idea. And it's sort of you know grown into something that you know i don't think either one of us i expected which has been awesome so there's been that too there's been a sort of a a constant um um sort of balancing our expectations and, and reality and watching it grow in a way that we weren't really prepared for which is a good problem to have
0: yeah and w- when you say john that is that john from spartan spartan records
3: sorry yeah i'm supposed to assume that everyone doesn't know that uh yeah John Fraser from Spartan. He was um, he was head of marketing at Tooth and Nail. My old band Sullivan was on Tooth and Nail, and John's from Virginia, so him and I sort of. And I'm originally from North Carolina, so we just I don't know. We've always sort of connected on some sort of small um, small way that seems to to resonate. And um, he was always uh, uh, he was always a good ear in the in the Tooth and Nail days, and so we've just sort of you know always stayed in touch and and he put out a sullivan album i guess in 2014 and um yeah he's just a good guy you know it's i don't feel i don't probably say john more than spartan records because i don't really feel like you know that's the that it's an artist label relationship as much as it's a, a a buddy of mine who has always supported me so it's been um it's been really cool
0: no, yeah, that that makes total sense. I mean, we're sort of in a similar situation ourselves right now. Andrew and I are in a band called The Stash, and we're on a label called Anchor Eighty Four. And it's it's a very small team, so we we, we just call him Cody. You know, like when I talk about it to people, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, Cody, Cody and I had a chat today, and we went over this. But then I realized they might not know who Cody is. So I get it, and of course. It, and and how do you how do you? I mean, I'm enjoying this situation we're in. You know, like uh, s- small small team, very hands on. How, how's that been for you so far?
3: Well, it's. It's great because it. uh, I guess the reason I like it is because the place I am in my life, it allows me to do things on my terms, and those and so and those terms are understood from the beginning. And so, you know, it's like you know, my old band, Sullivan, we did the you know the huge label thing, and we you know our our goal you know was to make it and blow up like I guess every band is sort of trying to do and you know that was you know a really amazing time and an awesome experience and you know there's every day there's sort of this you know this pressure and existence that you really grow to love/hate and with with John and with Spartan you know for me it's like okay I'm not you know I'm past that in my life you know I have a day job I'm a record producer that's what I do I'm more interested in getting other people to a certain place in their own career uh, but, of course, I still love making music, and I still – I think I don't think you ever really, quote-unquote, lose the dream, you know, uh, but it's a different kind of thing. For me, it's like if I can put out music that makes me feel a certain way, and, uh, and I can sort of be allowed to organically grow it the way I want to, um, and I have someone that will support me, then that's awesome. And that's sort of, you know, that's where – John and I fit really well in that in that way because uh, he's in a spot with his label where he has a he has a model that works for him, and uh, and so it's just I don't know we're just sort of in the same spot, and, and so our you know our respective sizes really help. Uh, and, and the and the truth is is that because he's you know my buddy I don't you know I don't feel like okay I'm going to have to send him an email this week and it might be the the only correspondence that I have with him and he may not respond, you know, and it's like one of those things, am I just going to get lost in the shuffle? And I respect the fact that, you know, he's a one-man uh, crew and that I'm also not the only, you know, I'm not his only artist and he is a busy guy. Uh, so I think that helps too because, you know, it just, you know, I somewhat understand his position in the industry and it it can be, you know, oftentimes, uh overwhelming when you're when you're working with a when you're working with an artist that's a band of five six seven people you know or even four people or whatever and you're sort of getting all of these different voices and so i think another another thing that's kind of nice about our relationship is it really is just me and him when it comes to surprises you know it's it's that's that's a very small small um process you know and so we just bounce ideas back and forth and things get done and, and we're usually pretty much on the same page so it's just it's 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 super convenient i guess i guess is the short answer to, the, to my long-winded one
0: no 100 and and isn't it interesting the advent of the one-man label and i i have to think that's because of the internet and and how social media allows you to just Absolutely. throw yourself
1: out there right yeah totally i also just love that like on like a big label i mean I'm not speaking from experience, I'm assuming. You know, you hit somebody up and you're like, hey, we need so-and-so, we need merch, or we need, you know, a new album cover thing. And they're like, okay, cool, we'll let those people know. And then, like, you have to wait for, like, the chain of command <laughs> yeah. to get there. But, yes. you know, you call uh, John, we call Cody, and it's just, he's the guy you talk to, and he gets it done, and it's just, like, there's one step. And I love that there's only one step.
3: <laughs> no, that's it is, it's amazing. It's, it's really crazy that you said that, because I don't know that I've, ever, I've thought about it like that. Specifically, when I was when I was really you know coming up in the music world as far as like wanting to be in a band and tour and do that whole thing, um, you know I, I was so tapped into all the labels and stuff and what it was funny because last night uh, I don't even know how this happened but I ran I sort of stumbled upon Asian Man Records Facebook and Asian Man Records was a big deal to me you know 15 years ago they were the label that originally signed Alkaline Trio, and and I would say still to this day, Alkaline Trio is probably the biggest band that Asian Man ever sort of introduced to the world, and so I was just on, you know, and Mike Park is the is the main guy at Asian Man, and actually Asian Man sort of uh, was the mother label to Fueled by Ramen, which obviously went on to be ridiculously huge label, but it was weird because I was scrolling through their Facebook, and I hadn't even thought about Asian man records probably in 10 years. And I was just sort of looking at all of his stuff. And that's what, you know, Mike has, he has sort of stayed true to that for like 20 years now. And it was really cool to see how he has built this relationship as a label guy with fans. And that's a pretty cool thing. You know, you don't really think about that. You know, the idea that there could be a, you know, a, a guy who is, you know, has some sense of celebrity for being just a label guy you know it doesn't sound very sexy or very uh uh something that people would be into but this dude is just like an icon you know and it was pretty cool because i you know admittedly hadn't thought about him in a long time but watching watching him and now you know he's you know in his 50s or whatever he's been doing this for a long time and the dude is like a mascot for his own company you know and so yeah if you can find the model and make it work i think that's Almost true in any you know any scenario. The smaller you can keep it uh, and still be successful, uh, probably your longevity. There's probably some some uh, nerdy data out there that, that that'll tell you that your your longevity, uh, you know, it increases with the the smaller your group is that can stay together and stay you know stay consistent. So that's uh, so now you got me thinking. Thanks, Andrew.
1: Hey, I mean the show's called talking, but we can think. <laughs> 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 thinking with Andrew and Chris Brooks you've introduced a new segment
0: uh, but but you, you you briefly touched upon this uh, your early days qu- quite a few times now and I think for the listeners let's just fully immerse them into sure. your upbringing as a musician as an artist so why don't you take us back to sort of when you first discovered music and, and the journey you've been on and please I, I feel like you have a long story and we have all the time in the world man like really paint the picture for us and the listeners here
3: sure well I mean I feel like that, you know, I, and I think this is sort of true, maybe. And as history goes on, I think art becomes, I think younger people become more successful at it. Uh, and I think that's just become more true as time has gone on. The younger you are, the, the, uh, the more opportunities you have to become successful, so I, I always sort of felt like I kind of jumped on the train sort of late in life, and I don't know if that's because I was from a small town or not, but you know, Sullivan, my old band, which was basically my life from you know two thousand and one, two thousand and two until two thousand and eight. You know, we did the whole tour of the world thing, and and for the long time, did the you know tour of the country thing with that before we got signed, and and we got signed and. 2005 and you know and uh by tooth and nail and that was obviously a huge dream come true for us and you know then we went from touring the country thing to touring the world thing and you know it was interesting i think the one thing that i'll never forget about that sort of jump you know and everyone thinks about that jump you know it's the okay we're a band that's doing it this way and now you know, holy shit, we're on a you know, major label now. It's a big deal, you know? And I think the thing that I'll always remember about that was that immediately it was, it was pretty obvious to me that getting signed didn't mean making it. it. It really just meant, oh my gosh, you've got to work harder now. And, I, and it's weird because I don't think that I, I think I expected it to just be like one of those things, you know, where we all have a big ceremony with champagne and we sign our names on a, you know, on a contract and we're like, holy shit, we're rich, you know, and life is good. We're immediately going to go on tour with Blink-182, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the second that happened, you know, the second we, you know, we signed, it was like all of a sudden, and I don't even remember how it happened, but all of a sudden there was like this new thing where it was like, okay, okay, you, you you have made this huge step up, and it is an amazing thing. And congratulations, pat yourself on the back. But now the real work starts because now there's like uh, now you have these built in expectations, and as it goes on, that becomes even more and more apparent because there's something about you know, and I say this every day to kids that I'm working with. There's something extremely valuable about being unknown, you know. And because when you're unknown, there's nothing attached to you. You know, you're just you're just literally there's no assumption attached to your name. And so you could go wherever the hell you want. You can you can be whatever you want. And you are virtually unknown for, you know, almost the you know, for most people, your entire musical career. Uh, But even those who are successful, you're still virtually unknown for the majority of the time you're a musician. And so, you know, there came that point in Sullivan where the expectations, you know, not just um, success wise, but artistically, they sort of they sort of they tipped the scales in a way that that we were not we just weren't into anymore. And so that was that was the end of Sullivan. And and, and fortunately for us, it was it really was that kind of a conversation. It wasn't a, you know, we didn't hate each other. We didn't break up because, you know, you know someone slept with someone's girlfriend it was just all good you know um and so for me it was like you know okay i'm gonna at the at the time i'm gonna move on and you know stay in the business in a different way so you know I've this is my 10th year actually um, uh, being music producer which has been awesome because it has allowed me to sort of continue the dream but in a different way and obviously with my experiences i've can watch other people. And I, I call them kids affectionately. They're not kids. They're, you know, grown men and women. Um, but a lot of them are kids and I can, I can sort of see what they're going through and it's like, okay, here you go. And I think that's what, you know, getting to surprises. I think that's what has always been fun about surprises is that I do spend a lot of my, a lot of my day talking sort of in this way where it's like, okay, this is what to expect when you're trying to quote unquote, make it, you know, and surprises is not about that for me. And so I can sort of go, okay, I remember that pressure and I don't want anything to do with that in this project. And I've, I've talked to these kids about this and I know the pressure they're, they're, you know, they're going through. And I know, you know, I know how important it is to them. I don't have to go through that anymore. And so that's really, you know, surprises is like a musical vacation for me. You know, it's like, I don't have to deal with any of that shit. Um. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's always going to be a, a huge attachment to Sullivan because of how, you know, how big of a part of my life it was, and it still probably had the most visibility of anything that I've ever done. Um. But yeah, I mean, this is what makes surprises great: is that I don't have, I can sort of just sort of just wash all that, wash all that aside.
0: Sullivan, was that like your 20s when you were doing that, or or like? Yeah, was- we
3: got signed. I was 25, uh, and I remember thinking shit, I'm kind of old for this, you know, which is funny because, you know, if I was 25 right now, I would, I would feel like a child. But yeah, I mean, it was, um, yeah, it was 2005 and it was it was almost my entire 20s. I, you know, I, I would say that in some way it was my entire 20s because even in, in 2008 after we broke up, there was still all sorts of things that we still did. We did reunion shows and do whatever, you know, so it takes a long time for something like that to truly get out of your system. Cause even after you're kind of like, okay guys, we're breaking up and all five of us move to different parts of the, you know, we, we literally just scattered to every corner of the, of the country. And, you know, you've just done it for so long that it's almost like you wake up in the morning and you have to like, by lunch, you have to go, Oh Brooks, wait just a second. You're not in a band anymore trying to make it. You're just a normal dude now. So just chill the hell out, you know, because you just sort of wake up with that kind of, attitude that you're, you know, that's part, you know, today is another day in that journey. And so you, uh, you have to take time to, to like, um, to wean yourself off that. Cause it's a feeling, you know, it's a feeling that you get and that you just sort of grow accustomed to having. And so, um, yeah, yeah. That was it.
1: Was, was that your first band Sullivan or were you doing music before uh, that?
3: No, I mean, I, I, you know, from probably, probably, Sophomore junior in high school, I was in bands, you know, and it was just i mean you know it was the your prototypical definition of a garage band, you know just all the kids who could barely play shit, just sort of doing the musical chairs of bands you know we 're not really a band we 're just okay let 's try this combination of four people and see if we like each other or whatever and so I mean of course, I did that for years, and then you know all the way through college. And really, there was that point where music sort of – Sullivan was the point where music was more important than sort of, you know, that riding off into the sunset, you know, stock American dream. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And it really was when Phil, our drummer, joined the band because he had had been in all these bands that were – touring you know nonstop, and that was the goal was to play as many shows as you could in a year and i when he joined the band it was like okay i can't take i can't like sort of half-ass this anymore he's gonna he's not gonna join this band unless we go full throttle with it and that was a very scary thing because i had a job i was in college but in a full-time job i was very much the sort of your stock white dude uh and so, <laughs> and so i you know I I had to stop that, you know, and so I I did, and that was the best that was the best decision I've ever made, you know, was to 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 you know, just give all that stuff up and 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 go for it, and that that was two thousand and three, and then two years later we got signed, and you know once that happens it's just a it's just a it's it's basically time travel.
0: So in other words, if you weren't all in, this may never have happened for you.
3: Without a doubt, it would not have. I mean, it it. it you know, I I used to have this tick where I would get kind of depressed when I would think about how lucky I had been in, you know, a sequence of events that led to the thing that, you know, that I wanted. And I had it took me a very long time to go, dude, that's just that's just life, man. Chill out it was like getting bummed out about alternate realities, you know, I you know, we the night we got signed, we played and. We were in Wilmington, um, North Carolina, and we were a three-piece at the time. In fact, Tyson, who became our guitar player later, uh, he he straight up said, well, "I can't join this band uh, in the state that it is now. You guys are just a you guys are just a local band, you know. And you're you know you're playing you are doing national tours, but you know in front of nobody. And it would be one of the things where we would like book forty seven days, and we would play twenty two of them. You know, they would half of them would shit out on us or whatever, and Um, we were playing in Wilmington and we were a three piece and, um, over the time we had become really good friends with some bands that were on solid state, which is, you know, tooth and nails, like heavier imprint or whatever. And we, um, yeah, we were playing in Wilmington and, uh, McKenzie, who was the guitar player for he is legend at the time came to the show and there was, there was literally six people at this show. It was a complete... Just a, it was garbage, and um, we were playing. And McKinsey was there, which was really cool for him to come out. And it just happened that Chad Johnson, who ended up being our and our guy, got our demos. The that night he listened to the only well, we only had two songs at the time, or two recorded. He listened to the songs, and he realized that we were from north carolina and he just was like at that time i think beloved was still going and they were from north carolina and he legend was from north carolina and he just happened to call a random guy in one of those bands and it happened to be mckenzie and he was like hey i just listened to this band sullivan from north carolina do you know him being from north carolina and he was like dude i'm I'm at their show right now. They are killing it. This place is slammed, and like they're just like you know they're amazing, which was complete bullshit. And uh <laughs> it's,
1: a, it's a good but, friend, good friend. Yeah, it
3: was. You know, and, like we didn't even know it. We had no idea that that was even happening. Like like you know you do that stuff. You like we had a buddy who knew a buddy, and we were sending our demo off, and it was like okay, you know, Chad's gonna listen to it one day. Who knows? And that had been probably weeks, and. Um, and so then it was just like one of those things where it just happened to happen that way, you know. And if we would have played, you know, if we would not have played or would have played in a different town, it might not have unfolded that way. And, and I that, that stuff used to like really like kind of blow my mind when I would think about it. I just be like, God, that seems like way too much chance, you know, like that. Like it needs to be more structured than that. Like life can't be that lucky, you know, or unlucky, however you want to look at it. And um, and so, yeah, it was just, you know, it was just one of those crazy you know once in a lifetime things and and that's how it happened you know and so who, who the hell knows what would have happened if you know we would have played in Raleigh instead of Wilmington that day
0: right and I, and I guess the old adage has never been truer it is all who you know in the entertainment industry seems oh to my be gosh, that the is point in
3: case the, the damnedest truth yes the damnedest truth of all truths
0: well, so so Brooks, I actually wanted to p- sort of pick your brain about this before we jump a little bit forward, because um, I, I really want to focus on your, your newest album. I, I've been sure. enjoying it a lot, but you're speaking to two 25-year-olds right now, one of whom was also on a bigger label. Early on in my career, I was with the band on Victory Records. Like cool. you said, we were not prepared for it. It was a lot more work than we thought, and as 19-year-olds, even having a 16-year-old in the band... We did wow. not, you know, we didn't last very long. Great learning experience. But, but what's your advice for someone in our situation who is sort of taking this chance that, you know, most of their friends aren't and is, is still getting after it, you know, as we like to say in New York, like, like <laughs> from someone who's been there and who's seen the other side, you know, and has been able right. to sort of like sustain themselves in music. Like, what, what is your advice for someone like us?
3: Well, um, I think, oh, gosh. Um, you might really need all day. Uh, no, I, I, I think that I think there's a, a, a two things. I'll, I'll try to keep it to the what I think are the two most important. One, I think that there's a little bit of sort of Darwinism in the music industry that helps that helps kind of separate a big excuse me a big majority in the sense that I've been on tour with people. I remember going on a tour where, like, this was before we had signed, and one of the guys couldn't couldn't do the tour. You know, it was like a two-week tour, and, you know, it was the, the bass player, the drummer, I can't, you know, it happened a few times, and they just couldn't do it, you know, because we were at that point where we were like, dude, we got jobs, and yes, we're going to do these, you know, two-week tours or three-week tours, but sometimes, you know, life is just going to not allow us. and So we would get another, you know, we would find a buddy and be like, hey, dude, you can play, barely play bass, why don't you come, you know, tour with us and there would be times where you would get three days or four days into the into the tour and you, they just like you could just see they literally couldn't take it like they just could not whether it was the boredom whether it was the the lack of amenities you know whether it was the fast food whatever, you know whether it was the sort of the instant tour sick that you get you know especially if you're touring in the winter they just they just hated it you know they just had no they just were not cut out for it and they most of the time they kind of were they were kind of you know they admitted it it was like yeah this is just not for me so i think i think there is a there's a a lot of people that have the dream they go okay this is what i want to do i want to get in a 15 passenger van with a trailer and i want to go out there and i want to do this shit and then they start doing it and they go eh, maybe i don't you know maybe this isn't what i thought and so i think that sort of cuts a lot of people out of it it immediately disqualifies a big group and then i think there is the there's there's People that are that are like that, but they're still willing to maybe give up everything, and so then there's the people that aren't willing to give up everything, and I think that immediately sort of disqualifies people. Uh, so I think in a lot of ways, sort of what you have to do takes care of a lot of the bullshit. A lot of people that are just not cut out for it or not willing. Once you get to that step, I mean, the, the thing is, is I've been, you know, I was in a band after Sullivan for a very small amount of time. Uh, That was sort of similar to surprises where we just kind of made some music and all of a sudden we were like, oh, no, we're sort of in this whirlwind of whatever. And we were uh, we were like we actually flew to New York to sign this contract. And uh, the owner of the label was like, hey, listen, I need to know because I was a a record producer. He was like, I need to know. In fact, uh, we. we showcased at my studio and at the time i was in orlando and i had this enormous amazing multi-million dollar facility that i had really kind of gotten lucky and grandfathered into and he was like i don't know that you're willing to give up what you're what you got going and we made it was sort of a mistake in retrospect that we did our showcase at this place because it allowed them to see what i was doing and they were kind of like dude you sure you want to be in a in a van and like touring and like, you know, working your way back up when you've got this going on. And so they actually, they actually amended the contract that like forced us to tour for like six months. Uh, and it was funny because I was like, dude, I've already done this once, you know, that I'm willing to do this, but it made me realize that they realized that there are, there are certain people that just aren't cut out for it. And that's, and no matter what you're doing, I mean, that was an enormous contract, uh, and you would sort of think, okay, with the money in this, we're gonna just we're gonna just go straight to you know we're going straight to Ozfest, you know we're gonna be on tour with Thirty Seconds to Mars tomorrow, you know, and and even in, at that level, they were expecting us to you know start from the ground and work our way up, and so I think that there are a lot of people that just won't do that, and even if they think they'll do it. Once you get them in that situation, you'll find quickly that it's just not for them. And I think the other thing and the one that really, really took me a long time to to like grab onto is that you're going to get a lot on your way up, no matter what level. You're going to get a lot of advice that you don't want to hear. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times you meet someone and – You go okay. I'm going to meet this. I'm going to have a meeting with this manager or this agent or this label guy, and I'm going to pick his brain. I'm going to ask him some questions, and he's going to like. He's going to like. You know, it's going to be like the scene in Pulp Fiction when he opens up the briefcase, and there's going to be the light. You know, he's going to show me the light, and I'm going to know everything about music and how and how to be famous. And you just think there's going to be some, you know, these ten like one-liners that are going to change the world. And so you you start having this conversation with him, and all of a sudden. You find out that he or she is sort of—they're just as much in the dark about you as you are—and oftentimes you'll sort of get this advice that you're like, it feels—it feels like diet coke, you know? It's not like, uh, it's not super satisfying, and it doesn't—you know—maybe it's not exactly the direction you thought that you know. It was gonna go, and that happened to me a lot. Where it would be like, you know, someone with, you know, I'd show them some songs, and they'd go, "Oh yeah, there's something about this song. You guys should, you guys should stop what you're doing and go in this direction." And it was like, "What? What do you mean? I'm gonna stop what I'm doing and just go in this direction?" It would just, you know, it was like, it felt so. It wasn't insulting. It was almost worse than insulting. It just didn't feel right. It, you know, I was expecting you know, it, them to go, okay, this is amazing, and we're going to do this, 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 and this, and you should start marketing yourself this way, and blah, blah, blah. And it was just, it was unpopular advice, as I've, I've, is sort of how I've always phrased it. And the truth is, is that that it's, it may sound unpopular, but the reality is, is they're just getting one little taste of your music, and one little taste of who you are. And they might not know a damn thing about you, but They are, at least for a second, a prime example of who a normal person is. And that's what I try to to instill with these kids all the time, is that you're not trying to impress label people. You're sure as hell not trying to impress people who are in bands, because they don't buy music. They don't care about you. They're trying to live their own dream. You're You're trying to impress normal people, normal listeners, people who have day jobs, people who you know, just live normal lives. And the truth is is that label people oftentimes are just normal people. They don't have some sort of magical ear that they can just, you know, they're like, oh my God, I can tell that you're the next Beyonce. They're just they're just normal people. And a lot of times they're just normal business people who've made some good business decisions. And when they give you advice as sort of shitty and as vanilla as it often sounds, sometimes it's one of those things where you have to just go, okay, that's that's weird. I didn't expect that, but I'm gonna absorb it and I'm gonna I'm gonna take it in and I'm not gonna get disappointed by it. Um, and that's a tough one, you know that's a that's a, a tough one. I mean I've, I've had many of first meetings with labels and and managers and stuff and, and really had high expectations of how they were going to go and they didn't go the way I thought they were gonna go and it took me a long time to understand why. Uh, and so I think that's really to me that's an important thing to sort of i wish that i knew that a long time ago to go okay listen when i'm meeting with someone this isn't going to be you know meeting with the you know the fucking wizard of oz it's just a dude behind the curtain you know it's just a person uh and he's he or she's not going to know everything and that's okay you know um so yeah there there you go i could go on forever about that one
1: i just learned a lot right there it's honestly really comforting to hear you say that because we've experienced that already like sending before we landed with Cody we you know sent out our manager sent out demos and all that to label people and we got feedback and some of it seemed like you know Comments that when you hear it you're like oh they just don't get it like whatever they, they don't know what they're talking <laughs> about like Exactly what do, you, what do you mean I can't sing like some <laughs> like, of It was just absurd some too. of it some of it is definitely a little weird but like you know It's good to re- you have to remember that like yeah these are also just normal people like mm-hmm. You can't expect that this guy like you send this person your music and then they come back and they're like eh, it's not for me And then you have to remember like well that just means that this one person didn't like it It doesn't mean that nobody's gonna like it and that this guy's like you guys are bad like nobody knows that just like you know I think actually I feel like I remember I hope this doesn't embarrass him but I do remember our guy Cody the first time we heard from him we sent him a demo and he sent us back something that, like not that he didn't like it but he didn't love it (laughs) so he wasn't (laughs) he wasn't immediately sold but then somewhere down the line he was sold and now we're working with him so you know I, what I'm taking from that is like, don't give up and don't get crushed from just one person's opinion of like, you're not the greatest band that's ever graced planet Earth, you know?
3: <laughs> Ab- absolutely. And, it, and a lot of times too, it's 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 the, you know, a lot of times it's not even the negative advice that you get. It's when you get positive advice that doesn't, you know, that's why I always use the, compare it to Diet Coke. It's one of those things where it's like, you, it's like, okay, they're complimenting you and they're giving you positive feedback, but they're, they're, what they're telling you isn't isn't exactly what you wanted to hear. It was you know it's almost like their answers don't have enough substance to get you to what you think is the next level. You know and yes, and it's very it's very very tough sometimes. And and a lot of times it happens with people that you're already you're. I remember this is kind of a, an ironic uh, sort of coincidence or whatever. But I remember the very first time I ever met John uh, when we were in Seattle. And all the guys were like, hey, we're going to go, you know, tour, you know, some, you know, dorky hipster Seattle historic area. And I was like, cool, I'm going to stick around here. And and me and John, I just met him and we talked in his office for like two hours. This is in probably 2006 or whatever. And um, And we were talking and I remember thinking, OK, here I am. I got this label guy cornered in his office, and I'm just going to, like, smooth this dude, and I'm going to, like, talk some big-ass game. And, and I, by the time I'm done, Sullivan's going to be on the top of this list, you know? And I and so I'm talking to him and stuff, and he's like – you know, and I'm kind of giving him the, the spiel, and I, and I know that he probably thinks I still do it now. But, uh, I'm you know, I'm just talking to him about, you know, Sullivan and the dream and what I got, my vision and all this shit. And he's uh, – and he, I remember him saying uh, – I remember him saying – you know, I, I'm going to paraphrase, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher, but it basically was, you know, when you, he kept asking me, he's like, "How do you feel about this record?" I'm like, "What do you? Why do you keep asking me that? You know, why do you keep why do you keep turning it on me about how I feel about it? Because I, because in my mind, there's nothing more I can do. I made the damn thing. Now it's your turn. Make me famous, boy." And he just he just kept asking me. He's like, "How do you feel about it?" And and he was like, "You know, if you feel great about it, you're going to work harder." To sell it, no matter how hard I work over here, no, how, no matter how much money we chunk into it, if you think it's amazing, you're going to relentlessly and ruthlessly work your ass off to get people to listen to it. And I remember hating how he phrased it. He didn't even phrase it that you know inspiring. <laughs> it, it, it was like the way he said it. It just kept feeling like he was like, you know, turning it back on me, and I hated it. I just hated that answer because obviously what I wanted to hear was, dude, I like the way you talk. I'm about to write you a check for half a million dollars. You know, that's what I, that's the way I wanted it to go. And really he was just like, dude, you know, it's on you, bro. You got to work. You got to do this. You got to tour. You got to love this. And at the time I didn't get it because the truth is, is that that particular album, I wasn't so unbelievably in love with. And I, I was still learning and we were still sort of growing. And, it's funny because now when I sort of have to give that little speech, that little spiel to people I'm working with, I always preface it with, "Listen, you're not going to love the way this sounds, but don't think that I'm, you know, don't think that I'm trying to, you know, give you just bad news wrapped in good news package. I'm I, like this is this is real shit, you know? And and so I've tried to I've tried to like work on, you know, sort of revi- refining that that sentiment, but that is the reality, is no matter – and it's kind of comforting once you be- come to terms with it, is that you are the end. You're the end of the line. Everyone can do whatever the hell they're going to do, as much money, no money, a lot of work, no work. Obviously, the more they put in it, the more convenient it is for you, and maybe you know things go a little smoother. But at the end of the day, you're driving the boat, and the harder you work, the better this is going to go and you mentioned it earlier, social media, the internet, you know, I don't know how often I just think to myself, the internet has become bigger than human existence in the sense that you could right now, you know, Chris and Andrew could go out and go, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to shake as many hands as we can shake from this moment until we we can't walk anymore. And we just got to you know we got to pass out you could do that you could go to a crowded place you could go to the mall you could go to wherever you know and you could meet as many possible people as you can possibly physically do and i can send an email out in 7 seconds and whoop both of your asses and they're like ah oh, i'll just reach more people than you did and that's what that's what this has become you know and so that's it, that's what why you're empowered because the internet and social media specifically has allowed you to reach more people than ever humanly possible. And so uh, a lot of times, you know, you get, you get uh, unpopular advice from people and unpopular answers and, and uh, disappointing effort. But at the end of the day, you're the, you know, you're the king in your own castle.
0: All too true. Uh, and, and this sort of, I think is a perfect segue into, into what I wanted to speak about From your newest album, Natural Disaster, anyway, Uh, the tone, it feels very much so like you're, you're, it feels uh, reflective in a sense that this album gives me, it's almost like you're trying to impart your experience on the listener from from and it doesn't feel the songs are brand new but the perspective doesn't feel current you know it feels like this album sure. is just a culmination of years of and I guess now I have sort of a, a better picture painted years of just trial and error from within the music industry and I think that is especially backed up at least for me as a listener by the the, the track one of the album Tell the world. So so why don't you sort of like elaborate on that and and sort of, you know, your your take on writing this album and and where it all comes from?
3: Sure. I I think the the most important theme for making this album, the thing that really struck me when I was when I was writing it was that unlike Sullivan, I was actually writing how I felt and you sort of touched on it. This idea of being reflective. I mean, uh, that is what writing is for most people. You know, they're, even if it's okay, I'm writing about something that happened yesterday, or I'm writing about something that happened 10 minutes ago, or I'm writing about something that happened in my childhood. For the most part, people, when they write, they're writing about how they feel at the moment when they think about something that happened, you know, prior. And it has never been that way for me. I've always sort of written in this sort of goofy, ultra mysterious, like out of this world, poetic kind of bullshit that I've always really enjoyed doing. And I've always written that way. And it's been successful for me and people like it. People dig it and they'll, you know, uh, people come to me and they're like, dude, I have no idea what the song's about, but I love the way this lyric flows. And that's always kind of been like my goal. You know, it's like, dude, if it flows, hell yeah, I win. And the first couple of songs that i wrote for this album before i even thought i was going to write an album when i was just sort of writing i realized that i was i was writing about how i felt at that moment and it felt really cool and and ironically it felt very new and i was kind of like man this is how people write i know this because i've you know i listen to a ton of songs and i work with a ton of people and that's how they write and i've never done this before but for some reason i can do it right now so Let's tap into this and let's go. And that, that is sort of, that was how I realized, okay, I do want to make this record. And so I wrote a few songs. I, I sent them to John. I was like, hey, man, here, I think I've tapped into something. And he was like, yeah, dude. And so I was just like, I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll reach out when I've got you know a few more. And so that became sort of the theme of this record was to, in a lot of ways, Write a record in a very normal style that is very abnormal for me. And so a lot of times it was get up in the morning, have my coffee, get a little buzzed for my coffee, and you know, sort of find that perfect moment where I'm feeling good about writing, feel like I can do anything. I'm either going to write a song or paint the house, and I get going. And then sort of inevitably that you come down from that and then you sort of have this back-to-earth moment. And on the way down, naturally, you kind of have this thing where you're like, oh, I'm kind of bummed about this thing that happened in 2008 or whatever. Or I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of you know, disappointed in myself that I did this two months ago. And I think as artists, we can almost allow that to snowball. And when it snowballs, then it's like, okay, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm unearthing all this wacky shit. And so I just let it happen. And I tried to find that balance, and I mean by balance, I mean balance in myself where I was almost like high slash depressed at the same time. Because for me, writing is all about confidence, It's all, you know, you start writing and you start something and you go, oh, my God, this is good. And I don't mean good as in, like, you know, certain demographic of people are going to like it and I'm going to be famous. I just mean objectively good. Well, not objectively, (laughs) subjectively good to me (laughs) in, in in the sense that I that I I like it. And if I recorded it and I put it on a, you know, on a virtual shelf, I would always I would always be happy that I created it. And so there's that weird juxtaposition of you're confident, confident enough to go hell yeah I can write a good song today, and at the same time you're kind of like tapping into all of these things that bum you the hell out, and you're going shit. Why am I writing about this? Why am I writing about this weird childhood event, you know that no one knows about? And so it's it's weird because you're like you you are def it's definitely a Jekyll high thing, uh, because the reality is I think Willie Nelson said said this a long time ago is like songwriters don't write songs when they're truly sad because when you're truly sad you can't do anything properly and and to me that always resonated it's you for the most part great art comes you know when you're in a place that you're sort of safely out of it and so you can but you're still close enough to it that you can kind of kind of tip you know you can kind of dip your toe into the sadness and go oh yeah I do remember how much that sucked, but I'm out of it now. You know, I'm not, Because if I was in it, I, there's no way I could function to do this. And those, to me, are all kind of normal experiences that I had never got to experience. And I think that was, the, that was a motivating factor for me when I started writing this record. Because I was like, you know what? I'm going to die. You know, Hopefully, I'm like 112. I'm going to die, and I'm going to look back, and I'm going to go, I wrote a record. That's about how I feel, you know, and not, you know, not some, you know, medieval imagery, cryptic bullshit, uh, <laughs> but an actual album about me, you know, and and maybe because it is just me, I could do that. And I didn't have to like worry about other factors. And 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 so I did it and uh, I'm happy that I did. And obviously it came out a little, you know, a, a little angsty. Which I also like because, uh, you know, for me, if you want to find some good old fashioned feel good music, there's decades of it. Go find it and enjoy it. Uh, to me, that's not that 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 doesn't suit me very well.
0: Listen, the the vibe I got was, hmm. Lis- listening to your record, you know, it was there. Definitely was a bite to it. There sure. there definitely were were moments where. I, I was like, wow, okay, whoever this is about, I do not want to be on the other end of that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but but for the for the most part, it, it kind of just like it, it felt like th- that's the only way you could talk about that situation. You know, it, it comes from the heart. And and I think I think based off what you said, you know, um, how how did you land in this sort of like angsty style, because it doesn't seem like you're particularly too angry about all of these these things that you're writing about, but yet it sort of comes off that way, you know? Like, sure. the way you just described it is different than the way it's perceived, but yet it makes sense now hearing both of those things together.
3: Yeah, I, I think a lot of it was, was this idea that once I kind of tapped into, you know, I keep using the word normal, what felt felt like okay I'm writing music like normal people write music and by normal people I mean normal songwriters. Um, I think the one thing that sort of uh, a switch that got flipped on was that I realized that that some of the greatest songs aren't that poetic. You know there is obviously this incredible poetry but it's sort of like where poetry meets how normal people, everyday people think and talk. And so the one thing that really struck me at some point writing the first couple of songs was that I, my lyrics were very, they were just sort of everyday people kind of words, you know? And it was like, you know, I, 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 you know and I remember talking, uh, talking to my wife about this. And it was like, you know, when you're walking down the hallway and you stump your toe on the side of a, you know, side of a chair or something, you don't just like turn into William Shakespeare and start talking about, you know, how the pain feels like the, you know, whatever, receding waters of Antarctica. You're like, holy shit, that fucking hurt. Right. And that's that's how you how people talk. You know, that they express themselves in sort of very barbaric ways. And. That was really important to me because I wanted to I wanted to express myself in a very simple way and I wanted to find that balance of being able to being able to uh, connect with people on that way uh, or in that way rather. and so I think that's why it came out that way and it's like you know that you know your grandma would say you know. You know, you're you're smarter. You're you're too smart to use those words. You have a you know you when you use certain words, it makes it sound like you have a limited vocabulary or whatever little little you know expression people give you to try to censor you. Whatever. I I agree with that. <laughs> I totally agree with that. You know, with that sentiment. But the reality is, is that most people think and speak a certain way. And if you want an example of Brooks, you know, writing. Out of the box and being crazy and overly cryptic and poetic. There's plenty of records you can go listen to where it's you know it's a bunch of awesome, crazy wordplay mumbo jumbo. For me, this was about making something that was simple. And even if I look back in, at the lyrics and went, "Damn, this just sort of sounds like a person talking." There's very little. There's very little. Uh, you know. There's very little fluff to this. It's just kind of plainly spoken. It that felt really good to me. You know that for for whatever reason, for the first time in my songwriting life, writing how I spoke and how I felt and how I think, you know, you know we think and we think in a language, right? Writing that way for the first time just felt right. It just felt natural. And so I guess, naturally, when you use certain words, there's an association with them. And the association, you know, oftentimes with, you know, certain words are sort of this, you know, angsty thing. And you're angry or you're aggressive or you're pissed off. And that is true. And I think those sort of fuel each other as you're writing. And I've always written, I've always liked the idea of the music being kind of sweet and the lyrics not being. And there's always that sort of weird tension that comes along when you're listening to a song. You're like, God, this is like a really kind of sweet, feel good, sugary song, but the lyrics are kind of fucked up, you know? And I've always liked that. That's always, that's always been something that I've been into. I think just as a writer, you know, as a, a a writer of music, I should say. But, um, so yeah, I, I think that's really what it came down to. I think it sounds angry because I really simplified the lyrics and When I wanted to express myself in an extreme way, I, you know, fortunately, just sort of intuitively went, went simple instead of, you know, turning into, you know, Edgar Allan Poe.
1: Right, totally. I think that definitely uh, listeners will definitely get that. And I've never been so sad to say that we have to wrap it up because I could probably listen to you talk about all this stuff all day. (laughs) It's yeah,
0: I, it's unfortunate. It really is, and this has been an amazing time, man. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, to chat with us and, yeah. and impart knowledge onto us and our audience. I think. Yeah, you're
1: a great example of the selfish reason we have this podcast is because, like, I just learned <laughs> so much, and like, yeah, I'm sure our listeners will too. But like, I learned a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure,
1: man.
3: Well, good. Well, good. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. It's uh, it was uh, you caught me at a at a good time. The coffee was was hitting my bloodstream just right.
0: Oh, you were good. catching that buzz, man. <laughs> that buzz. <laughs> now now before we let you go, where can where can the listeners find you? Keep up to date with your your music and what are your future plans? Uh so uh, you know
3: uh, the, all the sort of obvious outlets, All you know, you can find the the record uh you know, search surprises natural disaster. Um uh, social media's uh you know, obviously Facebook, just you know, facebook/surprises. slash the Twitter and Instagram is surprises banned, uh, and the future plans right now. It, it really, like I said at the beginning, is I'm you know I'm at the stage where I'm still just I'm in the mindset that there are six billion people in the world, and right now maybe ten thousand people know who I am. Maybe, probably not, but maybe. And so I always look at this like I'm. I'll be lucky if I ever get to the one percent coverage, and so. I'm trying to get to that one percent, and if I get there, then I'm in a spot where I go, okay. If I get in a van with you know three of my best friends, uh, we're going to go to Topeka, Kansas, and there's going to be a portion of that one percent waiting for us to play a show. And so that's where I'm at right now. I'm trying to get to that point. I've, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get in a van and go on get on a tour with a bunch of bands that are just like us. Uh, not because I don't want to, I would love to. That would be amazing. Uh, but I think it's just a different landscape now. And I think I can reach more people this way immediately. And the record's brand new. And so I've got to sort of tap into that newness and tap into that thing that that sort of fire. You know, I think when you speak to people and you go, hey, I just put out an album this week or whatever, I think they I think they have an experience where they go, okay, this is brand new. Let me give this a shot. Let me. I'm open to this experience. And so... I'm really just trying to play on that right now. And so I'm way into this sort of grind, guerrilla marketing. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of stuff. I've, I've got, I think we did five music videos and tons of alternate versions of the songs and a bunch of stuff. So um, follow me on all the stuff, and every day there'll be a new little uh, manic adventure.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely go check them out. And we're going to leave you guys with a song from that new album. Here's Overloaded by Surprises. Thanks again, Brooks.
2: We